But I say to you, do not resist an evildoer. But if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It so happens that it was two years ago this Wednesday, February 15th, 2015, that 21 Egyptian Christian migrant workers were beheaded on a Libyan beach by ISIS. After the beheadings, the Coptic Church, the Coptic, the, the Egyptian Orthodox Church, released the names of 20. It turns out that the 21st was a man who had not to that point been a member of the church. Originally a non-Christian, Matthew, who was from either Chad or Ghana, saw the faith of the others. And when the terrorists demanded that he say that he rejected Jesus, he reportedly said, their God is my God. And he accepted death alongside the 20. Now, on February 15th, the Egyptian church commemorates all 21. Lord willing, eventually the universal church will. Their God is my God, and I will die with them. I couldn't help but think ahead to a collect that we will pray in just a few weeks on Palm Sunday. Almighty God, whose most dear Son went not up to joy, but first he suffered pain and entered not into glory before he was crucified, mercifully grant that we, walking in the way of the cross, may find it none other than the way of life and peace. The way of the cross as the way of life and peace. Sometimes the deaths that we must die are inescapable. Sometimes a slap on the cheek, as Matthew says, comes uninvited. You're fired. I didn't ask for that. Someone who ought not to just does the table flip on you and walks away. Somebody decides they just don't like you and are going to make life as miserable as possible for you. Sometimes the slap across the face comes from a mysterious source, waves of depression or fear or anxiety or lust or desire feel like a slap, and they just come over you unbidden, unasked for. Sometimes the deaths are chosen. Sometimes you just have to make subtle choices, like our passage from Leviticus says. Don't harvest all the way to the corner of the field, like your own field. Die to getting everything that you can 
from that which is your own. No, instead, leave some for the poor. There's a little death when you know that taking the full measure of what it is to love my neighbor as myself calls for saying no to me. Not holding back what I owe. Not making me look good at their expense. Not making them feel like they're here for me instead of me being there for them. Not favoring one another. Not favoring one over another for the sake of what I might get out of them. Not being afraid to say hard things because it might offend. There's another kind of death when I realize I could skew the truth to make me look a little better. Another kind of death when I realize that a freedom that I could theoretically enjoy, food, drink, an art form, a sport, has mastery over me rather than me over it. Regardless, today's passages, especially in Matthew and Paul, but Leviticus as well, would assure us, would assure you and me that you and I can so find our identity and our worth in Christ that the way of his cross can be the way of life. Matthew would have you and me take a closer look at what first appears at first at what first appear to be impossible demands. Forswear an eye for an eye, turn the other cheek. Give your cloak, go a second mile, love your enemies and pray for them. An eye for an eye. Look more closely at Matthew. God's own justice demanded life for life. That's why Jesus came in the first place. What God offered to you and me in his own son was life for life. Not, not to make too fine a point, but Matthew is the only gospel that, re, that reminds us that at the table, when Jesus gave the words of institution, he added the phrase when he talked about giving his blood, that it would be poured out, he added the phrase, for the forgiveness of sins. Not resist an evildoer who let himself be betrayed with a kiss. Turn the other cheek. Isaiah 56, Isaiah chapter 50, verse 6 looks ahead to this mysterious servant who one day would come. I gave my back to those who struck me and my cheeks to those who pulled out the beard. I did not hide my face from insult and spitting. And Matthew weaves that verse into his account of Jesus' sufferings. Give your cloak. Who watched his executioners throw dice to see who would get his? Forces you to go one mile who walked Jerusalem's Via Dolorosa, the way of suffering? 
while Simon the Cyrene was forced, using the very same word from the Sermon on the Mount, to carry the instrument of execution. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Here it is Luke who records that Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they are doing. Matthew records the tombs opening at the moment of Jesus' death. Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ has redeemed death itself. My whole being is staked on that truth. I believe it. I believe it for you. And I want nothing more than you to believe it as well. Jesus Christ has redeemed death for you. His death secures life for you. In heaven eventually, of course. But his death redeems the deaths that you and I must die in this life as well. In the most literal, graphic, earthy fashion, Jesus Christ has made the way of the cross the way of life. My favorite moment in all of the Star Wars movies is in the first one that came out. When Obi-Wan Kenobi gives that knowing look as he lets down his lightsaber and allows Darth Vader to strike the death blow. Obi-Wan Kenobi knows that he will be a stronger presence to Luke Skywalker by virtue of his death. I appreciate George Lucas's borrowing of Christian capital at this point. And that takes us over to Paul. For Paul got the memo that by virtue of his death and resurrection, Jesus receives the Holy Spirit, the very presence of God, and now is God dwelling among us by the Holy Spirit? And so we go to what Paul says. You are the temple of God. The very place, you are the very place where the God of the universe, by virtue of Christ's death and his resurrection and his gift of the Spirit, you are the very place where the God of the universe has taken up residence and made his home. We worship in a lovely building. Praise be. As lovely as this building is, as consecrated as its space is, consecrated by the prayers of generations, and as loving, lovingly cared for as it is, and has been through the sweat and resources of those same generations, and as I said, continues to be so well cared for. Nonetheless, this building is just a picture. It's not where God lives. Where God actually dwells is in you. You are, as Peter says, 
chosen and precious in God's sight, living stones, living stones in God's spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You are precious, the place where God lives. And so, as B.A. Baracus of the A-Team would say, pity the fool who messes with you. Paul says, you're the temple, chosen, precious, Peter adds, pity the fool. Paul says, you're the temple, and Paul says, all things are yours. All things, the world or life or death or the present or the future, all belong to you and you belong to Christ and Christ belongs to God. Take that verse, sit before it, dare yourself to believe it. The world, life, death, death is yours. The present, the future, all belong to you, and you belong to Christ, and Christ belongs to God. Among other things, that truth means that nothing, brother, dear one, sister, nothing that happens to you is doing anything other than taking you deeper into our God's unfathomably deep love and his wondrously mysterious plans for your good. Honestly, that is really, really true. And so, and so because Christ's death has made the way of the cross the way of life, because you are God's temple, and because all things are yours, You and I can handle the deaths that we face differently. The deaths you don't choose but simply have to accept. You get fired. Somebody that shouldn't does the table flip on you and walks away. You know what? The last place you want to be is somewhere where you're not wanted. Write that down. The last place you want to be is someplace where you're not wanted. You really can accept it with equanimity, with peace and grace. Many, many experience only freedom and new opportunity on the other side of a good firing. The person who has it in for you, why love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you? I quote, the great theologian B.A. Baracus once more, pity the fool. If you really are God's temple and all things really are yours, that person is in deep weeds. I'm a dad. Don't mess with my kid. If I were a mom, it'd be even worse. <laughs> For those of us who are in Christ, and bear a cross because of that. Those who hurt and harm really do need our prayers because we don't want them to get the faith that they deserve.
And who knows what coals of shame and remorse your surprising love and kindness and forgiveness may pour on their head. Who knows what God may do in the Muslim world through the likes of the 20 who, who were ready to die praising their Savior Jesus. How many more will eventually say their God is my God. The unasked for compulsions that are in your life, what friends they are when they force from our lips the deepest prayer there is, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And then the deaths you maybe wish you didn't have to choose, but know you must. The good of my neighbor, I really can take the measure of their welfare. I really can be there for them instead of them being there for me because Jesus is there for me. And he's got me. The money you know really is not yours. The first 10% of your income, the corners of your fields, the gleanings left in the fields, I'm not the only Christian who has ever testified that God is faithful. You can't outgive God. You just can't. And over the course of a year, Sherry and I have found a lot of joy in rounding down to the nearest dollar entries for deposits that we make and rounding up entries for checks we write and seeing what ministry we can support at the end of the year with the leftovers, the gleanings. You can have a little bit of fun caring for your neighbor, telling the truth. You don't need to make yourself look better than you are. You're God's temple. All things are yours. Who you are is just fine. In the world of social media, the truth is going to come out anyway. Just, just be you. Walking away from things, habits, practices that are in and of themselves okay, but you know that when you do them, you're not okay. All night gaming, Netflix binging, too much fine bourbon, too much spending. There is nothing more freeing than knowing that nothing owns you because you are Christ's and Christ is God's. Let me pray one more time the collect we opened with. Almighty God, whose most dear Son went not up to joy, but first he suffered pain and entered not into glory before he was crucified, mercifully grant that we, walking in the way of the cross, may find it none other than the way of life and peace. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. Amen.
Let us stand together and using the words of the Nicene Creed on page 358, let us confess our faith, our hope, and our love for our God and Savior. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, 